This is Chris Gardner of the Houston Round Ball Review. I'm going to have another AAC beat writer interview. And this time I'm being joined by Sean Pastor, who covers the Temple Owls with Owls Daily. We have never met, so this is a, be a first for both of us. So, Sean, thank you very much for joining me. How are you doing? I'm doing great, uh, Chris. Uh, thanks for having me on, first first of all. Let's get right into it. Uh, Owls Daily, how long have you been there? What, what's it about? How can folks sign up, join, whatever? Right. So, well, Owls Daily is the Temple site on the 247 Sports Network. Um, boy, I started Owls Daily in 2007. Uh, my history um go you know so i've been covering temple since i was uh in school there actually at the same time as there mckee uh since 1989 i kind of oh, went wow, to work okay. for the student yeah, student paper and when i finished up there i started a newsletter called al scoop al scoop moved on to the internet you know Al scoop is the uh is the uh, rival site i started that site uh after about 10 years i sold that site and then started Owls Daily, so I've just continued following Aaron McKee and uh, Temple around, and uh, yeah, it's it keeps me busy in football and basketball season. Okay, so you cover my next question: What sports do you cover for Temple? Yeah, certainly. You know, the focus is, is mostly uh, football, basketball, and uh, and recruiting. Okay, so you do a little bit more than you do a little bit of everything there. We we share kind of a similar path. I started covering basketball in '94. So we're entrepreneurs doing our own thing. And I, I assume that it was a struggle for you to keep things going and, and adjusting to non-subscriber base and things like that. Would you agree? Yeah, certainly. Well, back in the day, I was I was printing it. We had a we had a, a tabloid newspaper for about uh, seven or eight years. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was great. And that was, you know, its own world. And then. Right. And this was right. We bridged into the Internet era. And Ryan, Ryan, probably 15 years back, it's so long ago, where sort of prints became really difficult for, uh, you know, except for right, certain huge schools where that might still be a big market. And uh, it's been Internet only for, for more than a decade now and, you know, need to now work, you know, have a full time job and do Owls Daily on the side as opposed to the old days when I was younger. No family, no kids right. on my own. I could just run around and cover Temple. Okay, so let's just, just let's get into uh, Temple basketball. What were you, uh, give me a recap on last season's team. Did anything surprise you? Disappoint you? Yeah, I tell you, I mean, I think, you know, the season probably, if you look back, probably a disappointment to everybody in the sense that, right, you know, historically, the Temple fan base has extremely high expectations, right? Just born out of 20 years with John Cheney, you were in the NCAA tournament every year and you made noise in the NCAA tournament quite often. You know, that moved on to Fran Dunphy, who continued that, uh, you know, success of getting to the NCAA tournament mm-hmm. every year. Uh, but he could never get to that sweet 16. You know, it was always an early, uh, uh always an early departure. He only got out of the first round a couple of times. And so. You know, that when, when Aaron uh, comes in, Aaron McKee comes in last year as the head coach, for a lot of people around the program, this is sort of a, hey, this is going to cycle back to the good old days of John Cheney and sort of what he's going to bring in. But Aaron was a rookie coach. And I think, you know, probably we probably should have seen or expected, expected, you know, bumps in the road, which is, which is what happened. Um, 
it was probably a huge learning experience for Aaron. You know, the team itself, even right, they were in NC, they were in the tournament two years ago. Mm-hmm. So they came into last year, and you might recall Shiz Alston was was an awesome point guard, uh, you know, leading scorer for the team, right? Um, and they basically only lost uh, Shiz as the primary guy, and so you know, not a lot of people were talking Temple last year, but I think internally there was thoughts that hey, we should be right back in the picture. Um, things started well, but you know, it was a sort of a tough slog through the American. Um, you know, they finished the season, they lost their last five games, first losing record in, uh, almost 10 years. So, and then the, the, the roster has changed over significantly, um, going from the last season to this season. Again, all of this maybe should have been expected when you're changing over the, the head coach. Have you spoken to Aaron? What did Aaron say? Well, the season got cut short in March, obviously, but did he have any sort of season wrap up to discuss the season? Yeah, we, you know, he, he at the end of the season we did we did catch up uh, uh, a couple of weeks after the uh, the aborted trip down to Fort Worth for the tournament, um, and I, I think that was essentially similar to his take that it was. Um, you know, a learning experience for everybody. And, you know, it's, it's really, it's been sub, it's sort of been subsequent to all of that, that the roster has changed over, uh, so much. Uh, a number of players left early. He's brought in a couple of transfers, several freshmen, and he's got another recruiting class going this year. Um, you know, and in the interim, now the last six months, it's been obviously the world's changed and, uh, and he, you know, the, I, I, we talked with Aaron one time and it was sort of about broader topics, right, in the world rather than the specifics to his team. If you can, uh, give me a uh, breakdown of this year's roster. Yeah, that's so that's right. I mean, it, it starts, you got to look at last year's roster. People probably remember, hey, you know, Quentin Rose was a really, you know, great player, mm-hmm. potential um, pro, and he's moved on. You know, Nate Pierre-Louis was a junior last year, but he graduated in three years, um, and he decided to jump uh, into the pros, too. Um, you know, he had a younger brother, Josh Pierre-Louis, mm-hmm. who was a freshman on last year's team, came in with super high expectations and kind of really just never slowed down. You never sort of, you know, you come in into high school and you think he's a great athlete and you're just, you know, he's going to make a splash, and he just never quite fit. And when Nate left... He, I believe day or two later, uh, Josh decides to uh, transfer as well. Um, and then they, they, they had a backup uh, shooting guard last year, Monty Scott, who had come in as a transfer. He stuck around one year. Um, well, actually two years, right? He sat out. So he plays one year and he transfers out. He goes to Portland State. You know, Josh Pierre-Louis transfers to, uh, to UCSB. Uh, Justin Hamilton, a big man who was probably the eighth, ninth guy in the rotation last year. He transfers to Kent State. You know, I think that shows you all three of these guys kind of drop down a level mm-hmm. looking to, you know, maybe probably find a better fit. So it, as a result, right, between you're losing three seniors with Quentin Rose, uh, Alani Moore, who was the point guard, Damian Moore, who was the, the backup center, then you're losing three transfers. You've lost half the roster. Um so then you got this year. You've really only got two, uh well, three experienced guys coming back. You know, the seniors are J.P. Mormon and Dre Perry, uh, both at the probably at the small and the power forward positions. 
um, though they're really both, you know, small forward types. Um, and Jake Forrester, who came in last year from Indiana, uh, he's back, um, you know, a little bit of an undersized guy at center, uh, an energy guy, um, probably, you know, really needs to bulk up and work on some of his kind of pivot skills this offseason. He'll be sort of a key guy to, you know, if they're going to, they're going to do something this year, he's going to have to have taken a big step. Uh, but it's really those three are all of you got. And then they're, they're bringing in a freshman class of, uh, four freshmen who, you know, they're going to have to play some of them. And then they've got two transfers, uh, Khalif Battle, uh, transferred in from Butler. Um, Sage Tolbert transferred in from Southeast Missouri State. Um, he's a sort of a, sort of similar to Jake Forrester, uh, a big forward. Um, didn't put up big numbers at Southeast Missouri State, which is kind of at the lower rung of, uh, they play in the Ohio Valley, mm-hmm. right? The Ohio Valley is kind of like Murray State, Belmont, and then a bunch of sort of questionable sure, right, teams. Right. Yeah, so, so he played there and it was seven or eight points and seven or eight rebounds a game. An energy guy, I don't know, you know, we'll see how that translates. Is he going to develop into someone who can contribute? Um, and, uh, and, uh, Caleb Battle from, who's from the Philadelphia area, from the Trenton area, uh, he's coming in at shooting guard. Now, the two of them are still waiting at this point as we sit here today, uh, to see if they might get a waiver to be able to play okay. this year. Okay. Right. So if that comes through, um, then you got a, you know, you got a full roster and we'll see what they can do. You know, if the waivers aren't granted, then again, you're back to, you're back to the, uh, three guys I mentioned before and then several freshmen who, you know, we'll see what they can, uh, do. And I should add, I should add, um, uh, they, there were two other guards who were, who were hurt last year. Uh, Ty Strickland, a point guard, Rod, Rodney Strickland's son. Okay. Uh, yeah, he transferred in from Wisconsin, sat out last year. Um, Good chance he would have been the starting point guard this year. He just had shoulder surgery. Hmm. Um, no idea yet whether or when he'll come back. Apparently he will be back at some point this season, right? Assuming we get into a season. Yes. Um, but, uh, but not sure, you know, when. And then Damian Don redshirted last year as a freshman. Um, he, he, Prior to last season starting, he, he sort of made a better first impression, say, than Josh Pierre-Louis as a, uh, he could play either guard position. Damian Dunn, he broke his foot last year in the late in the summer, uh, came back, played one game, um, at Tulsa, tried to come back after, you know, they slowly just, they didn't want to, they brought him back as slowly as possible, mm-hmm. um, through January, uh, through November and December. Finally, first week of January, they said, okay, we're going to give it a shot. Um, he played a game at Tulsa, didn't, a couple days later, did, the foot didn't feel right. And so he pretty much shut it down for the season. Um, he's the closest thing that they have uh, to an experienced guy in the backcourt wow. right now. So that's going to make for, you know, an interesting, uh, start. Saying all that, the roster turnover and the, the young yeah. guys coming in, what are your expectations and what are the fans' expectations of this year's team? Yeah, I think the, the fan, I tell you, I, I can't even guess. I, the fans, uh, the fan base is kind of, uh, you know, they're the, a great, you know, at least on my, right on the, my Al's Daily message boards and such. 
they're ready to sort of, okay, we might have to swallow it this year and it could be a tough year. It's just, you look at the roster and it's hard to imagine, um, because having some kind of a, a immediate success, it, it'll be a, build, be a building process throughout the season. You know, there's already a lot of focus on this current recruiting class. Um, Aaron has picked up a couple of commitments, um, which people are really high on, you know, three-star type guys, guys from around Philly. Okay. Where, you know, um, that's real. That was a big sort of, that's another thing that was sort of a major program thing for Temple is, you know, John Chaney, to some degree, you know, back in the day, could get the kids he wanted out of Philly. Mm-hmm. Um, that changed over the course of uh, Fran Dunphy's, you know, the Philly recruiting scene changed. Um, it be- It's a situation now where most of the top kids in Philly leave, mm. you know, head down to, you name it, ACC and, and, and head out. Um, and Temple, and even in Aaron's first recruiting class, he's got no kids from the right from the Philly area. Um, and so that's been a big focus. Can he make that connection back with, with the folks in the city and, uh, get that recruiting pipeline going again? So he's picked up a couple kids that, uh, for next year, people kind of already have that on their mind. And I think for this year, it's, you know, hope for the best. And I, I mean, I'm not going to assume anything as fans or fans, but if the second year for Aaron does not go well, will his seat get warmer going into his third year? Yeah, I don't think so. Okay. You know, Aaron is is right. He's a Philadelphia basketball right. legend. He's the you know he's the embodiment of right kid from Philly, from uh you know extremely disadvantaged background. John Cheney brought into Temple, who was a tremendous success at Temple, who won you know in the tournament, went to the final eight, had battles against you know Chris Weber in Michigan and those guys, mm-hmm. memorable. Time and then was, you know, even just as big a success in the NBA with the Sixers. Mm-hmm. So with all of that, that's, you know, that in itself is a ton of rope in the sense that he's going to be, he's going to be, he's given time to, you know, to learn what he needs to do and see if he can get the job done. And not to mention sort of, you know, the financial constraints that now exist across the entire college sure. athletic world. Right. There's, there's, you know, talk how in college football, you're not going to see, uh, firings this year and it'll carry on in basketball because these schools can't afford to be paying multiple coaches. But Aaron wouldn't be either way. He's, he, you know, he's going to be given, be going, going to be given time at Temple to try and make it work. Okay. What, what is your perception of the conference as a basketball conference? Uh, it's boy, the AAC, I think it's just been snake bitten since year one, you know, and it's right. It's such a change this year because now UConn has left the league and UConn is, you know, right. Their fan base up there felt like the American uh, uh, damaged our, our program. Mm-hmm. We entered this league and we were in the Big East, which was, you know, eight to 10 tournament teams every year. And we came in here and we won the national championship the first year in the American. And now look what happened. Now we've got to go out to, I don't want to name a particular place, but right. We've got to go out to this school or that school or that school, which doesn't have the following fan base, anything we have. And it damages us. Um, when, you know, the reality might have been it, it, right. It was UConn's role to be that lead dog in this league. 
And they're the ones who kind of struggled so badly right. and became a sort of, right? They, they couldn't, they couldn't go to Houston and win. They couldn't go to, you name it. They, you know, they couldn't go on the road to Tulsa for years and win a game. That's not on anybody else, but, but them. So now it's funny. So they've, they, they've moved out and that's, you know, clearly one of the marquee teams. Um, and now all, you know, the, the marquee teams are, are still now Memphis and Houston and Cincinnati. Um, so it's a question of can, you know, what, what other programs can sort of hit that consistent marquee level that, you know, certainly Kelvin Sampson and, and at Cincinnati that they've been able to maintain while, you know, the middle and the bottom of the league have their ups and downs. Do you, do fans, Temple fans, attend the home games to see U of H, Memphis, Cincinnati, or they just tune out the, the conference? Yeah, no, I wouldn't say tune out. I think, you know, Temple fans, right, where it, it's, it's still a pro market where the Sixers are the team in the market and you've got Villanova down the street. So if you're the local college basketball fan who isn't aligned with a particular big five school, you're not a Villanova alum or a Temple alum or a St. Joe's alum. You're just a Philadelphia, you know, that that's they, Villanova is where all the attention goes. And so Temple fans, um, you know, again, they, they sort of, they all yearn for the good old days, right? When, when the Leacorta Center opened 20 years ago, um, you know, prior to that, they played in a little 4,000 seat, uh, uh, gym on campus. You know, they moved there and it was a big deal for a decade. Um, and it's just, it's, it's over the course, you know, largely of, of Fran Dunphy's uh, tenure as the head coach expectations uh, were not met and so fans lose interest to some degree and there are those who you know yearn for the days in the atlantic 10 um not that the atlantic 10 had uh you know that many um uh thrilling sort of you know temple dominated that league right temple and xavier were at the top of that league uh, for the, for the, for the last 10 years, certainly of, of before Temple moved on and Xavier moved on. Um, so I don't, I wouldn't say Temple's sort of the fan base, um, uh, their opinion or their reaction to the American is probably no different than the A10. They, they'll show up when, when the team starts, you know, winning, uh, a lot again, bring back the good old days, bring them back the, you know, the Cheney crew from back then. Um, but so certainly, yeah, you know, with the, and it, right, UConn was one of the teams that did have that interest. So that'll, that's one less sort of marquee opponent on the schedule. Um, they, they just, they certainly recognize the success that Houston has had and they, you know, respect these other teams that come in, you know, whether it be Cincinnati, Tulsa, Tulsa has, has won about 80% of the games against Temple since Temple joined the league. But the fact that they respect those teams and understand that we're in for a tough day uh, doesn't necessarily mean uh, they want to show up, you know, until until they uh, see W's again. You touched on it moments ago, and being a Philly guy, I have to ask you because I've tried for years to get um, the local teams in Houston to play a, a tournament type, a city type battle. Just describe the Big Five and what it means to Philly. 
Yeah, it's just, it's, the history is, you know, without sort of match. People go talk, you know, the Big Five went back to the 1950s, and the heyday was probably uh, the 60s and the 70s um, when all of the five, the five teams in the city, Temple, Villanova, St. Joe, Penn, and LaSalle, they all played their games at the Palestra. Mm-hmm which has an amazing, you know, it's amazingly loud. It's an amazing atmosphere. And it's a 50-50 split every game between the two fan bases. So you can just imagine every game. I mean, it just, it just you know, it grew over decades. Um, you know, things changed over the years. Um, the game is still, are still, you know, super meaningful to, you know, Temple still at this point, they're playing, say, LaSalle and St. Joe's as non-conference games and Penn, and they've continued. And those, you know, those continue to be, three, you know, Villanova is obviously going to be a sellout. That's the biggest game of the every other year when they come into the Lee Chorus Center. Um, those other games are still, you know, three of the biggest games of the year. Even if Temple now has the expectation that we've moved on from the A-10, we should be beating St. Joe and LaSalle and Penn every time. Um, it's still there's, you know, the older fan base uh, still remembers. And it's just, you know, it is incredible even if it doesn't mean as much as it did, you know, back in the day. And I'm once again speaking with Sean Pastor of Owls Daily. How can folks subscribe to Owls Daily or follow you on uh, Twitter? Yeah, so uh, on Twitter, I'm at Temple Owls Daily. Um, uh, on Facebook, we're at Temple Owls Daily. Um, and uh, the website is, is owlsdaily.com. Again, it's the uh, Temple site on the 247 uh, Sports Network going strong after all these years. What were your thoughts on Wednesday's ACC proposal of every team making the NCAA tournament? Yeah, gosh. Uh, you know, I guess first thought is, and I saw this, you know, sort of uh, uh, brought about, uh, you know, a number of the initial reactions are you already do have, uh, uh, it. the tournament is already open to everybody. Because every league has a league tournament. Mm-hmm. And so that league tournament is everybody's pathway into the NCAA tournament. So why uh, build it out? You know, I can't even begin to think about the logistics of it. Agreed. Um, yeah. And, and I get, you know, maybe to some degree, I guess, you know, the logistic, just as we saw last year, it was all of the league tournaments that were canceled right ahead of the, of the NCAA tournament cancellation. And the logistics of all those league tournaments um, are a question mark again this year. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so God, God knows how we're going to get this season, how it's going to work, right? How teams are going to play. Um, are they going to travel to certain places? Are there going to be bubble situations and non-conference? Uh, but however that works out, right? Even when you get into conference season, these conferences – I think can govern themselves and figure it out the same way that the American and the SEC and the big 12 and so forth are trying to do it in football. At least within your conference, you can figure out your conference schedule, try to make it work. You can, you know, when you get, we get to games that need to be postponed and rescheduled. You can make it work within the league. Um, But even having said all that, when it comes to conference tournament time next March, maybe the conference tournaments are not, maybe they're a logistic, uh, impossibility. Um, right. And even if you can put them together, 
what you know are what kind of what kind of crowds are you going to be able to draw next March for you? Know, who knows? So I, maybe part of that whole idea is if conference tournaments are a big question mark, then maybe the NCAA tournament having three hundred and fifty teams or so is the way to go. But it, I'll leave that to them to figure it out, and I'll <laughs> if it, it really did come together. I could weigh on it, weigh in on it then. Yeah, it sounds like uh, Dan Gavitt has kind of poured cold water on the idea. So I was, I was glad to hear that because logistics-wise, cost-wise, all kinds of other factors, and of course you got to do it for the women's tournament too. So I don't see that happening. It doesn't sound like it's going to happen. It, it was, it was fun for discussion for a day, and I think it was yeah. dying a quick death. But um, John Rothstein, CBS Sports has uh, reported that the AAC is considering going to a 20-game conference schedule where everybody plays each other twice. So what are your thoughts on that? And I'm, I'm not sure if it's just for this season or if it's going forward, you know, this season and then going forward. Yeah, sure. I mean, certainly the fact that, that say, the Big Ten, right, they're already uh, doing that and the other leagues are the other, you know, top leagues are moving in that direction. Even some uh, lesser leagues, I think, have moved towards increasing the number of conference games. So, uh, you know, under that scenario, in all likelihood, you, you, it reduces the number of quality non-conference games that, say, the American can put together. Because if I'm, you know, if I'm Michigan State, if I'm Duke, and I've got two fewer non-conference games that I can schedule – and I'm going to schedule, you know, X number of uh, guarantee type home games, mm-hmm. um, then it, how many chances do the teams in the American, are they going to get to schedule uh, really meaningful non-conference games? And so if that's, if that whole avenue is sort of reduced, then it probably makes sense uh, to look at playing more league games. You know, as for how this aspect, uh, affects the, uh, the net rankings, right? They can, do the math on that and figure out if it probably uh, helps. And I think that I'm sure that's part of their uh, decision-making, right? Everything that the league does schedule wise is with the improving teams chances of getting at large bids in mind. So if the math leads that way, then it does make sense as well. And I, and I would think it would kind of force the mid to lower teams in the conference. They have to get better because if you're playing, the lower tier teams who have not been good out of conference, in conference for a few years, two wins over them is not a benefit. So that means you really have to have the rest of the conference step up their game and improve their records and performance for to benefit eight, nine, you know, the majority of teams in the conference. Would you agree with that? Yeah. And it's interesting. I think the American, you know, it's a league where there are, t- there are certain schools that have very different scheduling philosophies. Yes, for sure. You know, there are, yeah, there are teams that will line up five or six, you know, teams in that 300 ranking or below, um, either for because financially they want to get these home games in and, or for whatever reason. And then there's other teams that, that look to, you know, schedule more power um, when they can. So, so I don't know. You can't control how the individual schools, um, you know, within the league, what how, how they need to approach sort of their, their business end of it um so again it's sort of in that vein having more conference games kind of takes care of some of that 
And I, I would, I do wonder what a, some coaches would think about, about it because more conference games will take away your chance at elite non-conference matchups. So some coaches might not like that because it lowers their chances of playing a quality elite team or going to a quality tournament. So, I mean, it's uh, good and bad both ways. I can see the argument for it. I also think that with the conference going to the ESPN Plus platform, it's a chance for them to have more games on ESPN Plus for content purposes, too. How about that? Yeah, I think that that's certainly true. And, you know, when it comes to non-conference games, so much of, uh, you know, three out of those, whatever it might be, three out of those nine or ten games um, or 11 games are, are a tournament anyway. You know, these neutral site tournaments, that's mostly when, you know, you don't see the power teams wanting to go on the road to mm-hmm. – to, you know, some certain teams in the American, right. you know, period, you know, unless there's longstanding relationships like Temple Villanova, um, you know, Kelvin Sampson at Houston is able you typically every year he gets to plug in a couple of major opponents home and away. Uh, but, and Cincinnati has Ohio state, things like that, that they play regularly, but there's other teams that just can't, aren't going to even now uh, can't get uh, major teams to come in. And so you end up playing these, uh, the tournament, whether it be Hawaii, you know, the early season tournaments that are everywhere. Um, and that's, and that's always a moving target. You know, this, I don't know if the, what the relationship will be between conference schedules changing and then non-conference schedules, uh, uh, shrinking a little bit and the impact on those, those, uh, those tournaments, the neutral site tournaments. Sean, we're almost done. Thank you very much for taking time to talk to me. Got to ask you, have you, been impacted, you, family, friends, been impacted by the pandemic, by coronavirus, COVID-19? Gosh, so I've been okay. You know, we've been okay here. Family's okay. You know, my my wife and I both have been working from home now for six months. Um, And my kids are back in school as of this week. So, uh, you know, and I've got two older kids at college. Uh, Neither of them chose to go to temple <laughs> but uh but they're both okay and they both uh that neither we're, we're about three weeks in now and neither of their colleges have closed they haven't been sent home there hasn't been outbreaks where they are as uh, you know we've seen at other schools so i've been okay so, so far and, and you know certainly lucky to to be in that situation glad to hear that what are your thoughts on kelvin sampson and the houston program Kelvin, you know, they, I mean, he's sort of, he's reached the point where, and it, it's really a similar point to where Temple, when John Cheney was there, right? John Cheney was there and he would have NBA players like Aaron McKee and Eddie Jones, and then they graduated. Mm-hmm. And you just knew that whoever he has coming that hasn't played, uh, he's got guys coming in who are going to be able to keep it at that level. Um, you know, and that's where Kelvin Sampson is. You know, you look at the roster and every year, well, they've lost you a couple of years ago. Oh, what are they going to do without Rob Gray? Uh, how are they going to fill in with, you know, uh, the, the losses from last year? And so it's, you know, it's, and, and, uh, 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 you know, they got kids leave early unexpectedly mm-hmm. and he's still got guys 
waiting. He's got the kid he recruited who then, uh, Mike Davis's son, right? Who he had come into Houston who then went to, um, Detroit. Detroit, right. I mean, imagine if he had that kid too. So he's got, and, and these guys aren't necessarily, um, you know, five stars, four stars, but he lines up the right guys and you just have, you know, he's going to line them up, uh, every year. And, uh, you know, so to me, they're probably the favorite in, in this league every year until, uh, until Penny wins the league. <laughs> okay. Is there, oh, one more thing. I ask everybody this question. In your opinion, how many teams from the conference reach the NCAA tournament? I need your consent on a few items to continue. Oh, that's a good question. Um, and that's probably a hard question this year. Um, you know, be, be, I mean, again, Houston's in, I think, as an automatic now every year. Um, you know, Memphis is probably, you know, the longer, um, you know, Penny's going to, he's going to recruit at this level, and presumably he's going to keep it at this level. You know, there's no reason to think he won't. And, you know, some might have thought that they sort of might have underachieved to some degree. As the years go by, they're going to start to, you know, meet the level of expectation and exceed it um, because he's just going to get better as a coach. Um, so they are going to, you know, I, I think you have to to mark them down as an NCAA tournament team. You know, Cincinnati is a good question mark uh, because that's a, you know, significant changeover. That was an entire Mick Cronin world. Yes. And he, he ended off, right? And um, they were right there where they needed to be last year. But, you know, they'll be sort of the team to watch. Do they maintain that level where they, the league is a, is a three bid, um, league, you know, at least every season. All right. So I'll say, I'll, I'll say, I'll say it's hard to say beyond three, you know, SMU and Temple and, you know, I, I don't know where to say, you know, USF, right? They were a hot early thought last year until, uh, Yetna gets hurt. And, you know, Johnny Dawkins, it, you know, clearly knows what he's doing. Um, but all, you know, all those guys are these NCAA tournament teams, or is there so much parody that, you know, there's, there's three at the top and then everybody else is kind of pushing towards that 500 level. That just sort of what happens from the infighting. So that's where I'm landing at that number now. Where, where would you put Wichita State? Yeah. Well, gosh, that's a total rebuild. Um, right. But, uh, and Greg Marshall, Right, you would assume he'll he knows what he's doing too. That's why what happened last year with all everybody leaving was you know such a shock. Right, I would have said they're a tournament team, uh, but I, you can't say that when he when he completely overhauls the um, entire roster. So right now again, again, you know, like yeah, that gets back to you know this it's it's like it's a oddly snake bitten league at times. <laughs> You know, which uh, and you, it, it's inexplicable, right? Some people it, point to, well, it's a football league, and that's what happens because it's 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 a football oriented league, and so many schools are more focused on football that you just by nature basketball isn't as successful as 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 you would hope. Um, but I I don't know. It's a, that was such an odd sort of uh, development out at Wichita. Um, yeah, hard to fathom then as a tournament team this season. All right, Sean. Thank you for your time. Is there anything you want to mention, say, touch on that I haven't asked you, we haven't talked about? Um, well, that's a good question. I Nothing comes to mind, you know. I just uh, – let's hope we have a season. 
Okay. Right. One, one question. For, yeah. One question for that. If we do have a season and if we do have a conference tournament in Fort Worth, will you be there? I will be there. I was on the, so I, I actually, I covered Temple, but I now live in New York. I was on the subway uh, on the way to LaGuardia last year on the morning of the, um, uh, the first day of the tournament last okay. year in Fort Worth when the message came through. Right. I think the night before the, the news had come out, no fans. And, you know, I just double checked. Media was still going to be mm-hmm. there. So I was on my way when, uh, when it got canceled. So I'll certainly be there. I hope this year, right. We'll see when the schedule comes out. At this point, I've been to every, uh, I've been to every venue in the league except for the Fertitta Center okay. and uh, haven't been, haven't been down to USF, but I've over the last couple of years managed to hit every other venue so hope to be i've been there for i've been to the you know stadium for a couple of football games down there saw the entire uh construction project when it was happening okay outside in houston but uh haven't got to go to a game um i think the temple played houston and tulane back to back two years back and my i was playing for the other and then got uh plans got changed uh relatively late so that's I'm hoping to fill out the card this year with those two games. That's my goal. Okay. Well, if it's a 20 game conference schedule, everybody will play everybody home in a row. So if that happens, yep. I'll see you at the Cheetah Center. So I will be there. Look forward to that. Sean Pastor, thank you very much for speaking to taking time to uh, speak to me. And one more time, remind folks how they can find you on the uh, internet. Yep. So it's Owls Daily, you know, owlsdaily.com. Uh, in Twitter, I'm at, at Temple Owls Daily and also on Facebook at Temple Owls Daily. Um, we've always got a subscription deal going if you're in, you know, we try to cover the AC, the, the American to some degree, even beyond Temple. So, uh, you know, an always good uh, chit chat going on, on on our message boards. All right, Sean. Thank you very much for your time. You take care. Thanks.